1: You know, I th- I think we have to look at how we remember women and women's history and their impact, because she was very well known at her time. Um, you know, she actually, you'll see her later works here, some people are actually more familiar with, because she did the love stamp, which sold over 700 million uh, oh, wow. copies. Yeah, so like a little piece of love on each one. And there's this great story um, about the launch of that, that they had thrown a a party on the love boat <laughs> and Krita did not show up <laughs> uh, because that's not the type of love that she had meant welcome to a lot to learn with austin rogers for the guy who knows everything he's still got a lot to learn
0: that was Nellie scott the director of the Krita art center talking about her mission the art of sister mary Krita, later known as Krita kent As we walked down the small hallway gallery of the Creta Art Center next to the Immaculate Heart community in Los Angeles, um, Nellie shows me around, and I start to feel guilty. I felt guilty because I was looking at thoroughly modern typographic art that could be current. I really loved it, but I'd never seen it before. I felt sexist. How had I never seen that great artist, this great art? Uh, But that feeling of guilt, I soon would find out, was not due to my myopia. Although she influenced and was influenced by Eames and Cage and Warhol and Hitchcock and Fuller, Sister Mary Carita's art has yet to be as valued as these male artists and entertainment contemporaries. Yes, she's held in the greatest collections on earth and the greatest museums on earth. Yes, she has had retrospectives, but never to the extent of the pop artists of her time although she was very well-known in her active period in the 1960s to mid-1980s, and she pioneered uh, pop art printmaking techniques, she successfully stood up against Catholic leadership, she protested the Vietnam War, she was featured on Time magazine's cover, she created an enduring body of artwork that remains fresh today. She's just not as remembered as she should be. So let's fix that. Rita spent the last 20 years of her life in Boston as a full-time artist and has a huge body of work that's just being out there ready to be explored. Uh, she never removed herself from her ethos of universal love and the healing of faith. And I think that's something that we could probably adhere to today. Luckily... On November 20th, 2019, the city of Los Angeles is celebrating Corita Day, and I encourage everyone to go out there and find out more about her artwork and women artists in general. Uh, Now, my interview with Nellie Scott, the director of the Corita Art Center. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because it's a podcast, and people listen to podcasts whenever they do. Perhaps you are in a deep meditative state because we are going to get... Well, are we going to get meditative? We're with okay. Nellie Scott, the director of the Carita Art Institute. Art Institute?
1: Center. Art collection, Center. Collection. Estate. estate of
0: everything. Yeah. And it sounds like a thing, but it's a person. And today we're going to talk about one of the most remarkable women artists who you don't know that you already know, and I think it's criminal that people don't know. And Nelly's gonna tell us why. Nelly, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you. I'm always happy to talk about Carita.
0: So Carita, that's quite a name, but this is short for Sister Mary Carita. She is a nun and a wild wild nun that's true yeah i the the dissonance that you have of this amazing art go to my instagram right now and look at some of these pictures that we're posting in conjunction with this or just google carita herself how how does this come about how first talk to her biography
1: yeah so Sure, Carita uh, actually means little heart, um, and so that was her her first name is actually Francis, um, but when she joined the order, uh, she took on Carita as so she was Sister Mary Carita, um, and she joined the Immaculate Heart of Mary here in Los Angeles, who has a long history of being educators. Um, she uh, got her masters at USC, um, was always an artist. Her father really you know was very instrumental in promoting her to um to enjoy making art um and i think that's something she carried with her always um and then so she joined the order and she soon uh raised in rank and ran the art department here when it was the immaculate heart college uh, she was here until 1968 and then spent the remainder of her years out in Boston until 86 when she passed.
0: And you are the steward of this absolutely amazing pre-1968 collection.
1: Yeah, Yes. Yeah. So when she passed, she left her entire estate to the Immaculate Heart community. Um, these are the women that... Were her sisters in habit, and so um, she left it to them to share with future generations. And so, in 1997, they uh, formally created the Carita Art Center as a tool to share that with future generations. And um, it's been a commitment ever since to uh, her her ethos in action.
0: What is that? What is it? Because her yeah. her work has calls to action in it almost every single one that we're looking at in the Cre Art Center's conference room has some sort of either call or spiritual uh, or or just uplifting saying there's 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 a message in everything because she does proffer in words most of her most of her prints that we're looking at words are words matter
1: yes yes I mean. The way that she weaves text through um, really makes you look at not only uh, the meaning behind the language that she's choosing, but also the beauty of the letters themselves, the typography, the graphic design elements. I think there's a nod to all of that. Um, And her use of color and the way that she weaves in pop culture, Um, it really, again, lends itself to... uh, being really accessible and that's even printmaking as a medium is so accessible um it's a way uh originally you know educators could use it it's something that she could teach other uh students to go out into the world to educate others it's very um it's very engaging in in the the way um that you pull you know it's a very physical act of pulling a screen right and getting your message out into the world as fast as possible
0: and and yep. immediately uh tangible yes. i i literally just made that there's no waiting it's yeah. you put the screen down you slather the ink over it you pick right. it up and you set it to dry and then in 15 minutes boom it's done and there's the message yeah um, now, what are some of these messages? Because how, how do we get a nun making these radical, uh, democratic, anti-war, anti-establishment, you know, nun? This is part of the establishment. Where, where's this coming from?
1: Well, that is a very deep question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And I think only she could really answer that. But we see it as, um, you know, how do you put into the world this message of, like, love, hope, and justice? And I think with social justice you can't get to it without education either. So those are the kind of ethos that she's exhibiting in her work. Um, She's weaving that into her practice. Um, Almost if you were to take a look at her as a social practice artist, um, she's working with her students. Um, She's working, it's very collaborative in nature. Um, and, And the happenings of that creation and that beauty of that moment, and then taking that and then rippling that out into the world um as making real change
0: right she's absorbing from the outside world and her students and then issuing it back out again because right. she's definitely absorbing she's consuming uh all the pop culture media of the time and that is informing how she then reciprocates her message right right, right. uh again um I, 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 this is my part of the term yeah. Cloistered thinking, yeah. but bump, no fun intended, uh, where yeah. I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't get this, this powerhouse of none quoting the Beatles, using, hey. using newspaper covers, ripping off, uh, not ripping off, but lovingly, like being inspired by street signs and, and graffiti and lampposts yet fully behabited.
1: Yeah, could you imagine? Um, it really, I think, shows her level of engagement. Um, you know, we're lucky enough we get to talk to her students that are still alive today, and they have these, you know, great moments that they share um, with us that they of how Karita inspired them to to change the way they look at the world. Um, really, she would give her students like assignments to draw a hundred. Uh, drawings of just like the corner of your elbow. Um, and is, you know, in just practice alone of like changing the way that we look and taking that and viewing the rest of your life that way. Right. Just your everyday stuck in traffic. I guess I'll take a look at this street sign. And how does that
0: intersect it? with faith though? Right. How, no, how does it? I mean.
1: Right. Well, I think her faith. Is really um, again. This is my opinion. Just of looking at her work and and, and living with it every day. When I get to come here, um, I see her faith is um, really asking people to to have their own call to action. You know, make your own art. Go out and make the change. Show up. Show up. Show up.
0: And that that is and 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 by art that I am like I'm guessing from extrapolation of looking at this stuff uh, that that art also is like y- your your life's actions are part of the art like right. your social justice actions your protest are part of the art because while we were going through the uh, the collection you know there's uh, there's prote- protest marches. And engagement with the children, and teaching, yeah. all in one sort of uh, overarching th- artistic. S- I I can't describe it. It's it's an it's cool. it's, it's an everything. Yeah. It's an everything. I the everything because like one thing doesn't exist in isolation.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, and so I think to us as the estate. When we think of how do we honor her and how do we continue looking forward and take that call to action, it is what do we build? And I think sometimes the states get really caught up in, well, she would have liked that or you know getting very like granular with it, but we were, are hoping to build something around the ethos that she exhibited in her lifetime. It's accessibility, it's education, it's social justice. you know what can we build around that um, to continue that ripple effect of her messaging?
0: Now earlier um, while we were getting a awesome tour of the collection I uh, you got on your quote soapbox yeah. <laughs> and and you you pointed out a couple things uh, one how contemporary her art is two how much alike yet inspired yet informed but unique it is to male contemporaries of the time which brought up three why don't more people know about this Mm -hmm. and four one of her most famous artworks is constantly misattributed to another artist right and then five we'll get to five the last but actually no let's start with five sure we've already seen her artwork we just don't know it Talk about the one that everyone has seen,
1: right? You've probably received a letter with it yep. in, the, in the corner. It's uh, they sold over seven hundred million of her love stamps, which include her one of her works, which
0: says yep. love. Yeah, it says love, and uh, you've probably you've probably mailed it. You're so right. we already know about her, but people probably were like, was that a Warhol? Right? Or, or And what's, so soapbox away, please. Uh, sure. Please go. Oh, this anytime. Is, yes.
1: Yes. Um, well, I think it is really unique, uh, this estate, and I think that's why I personally was drawn to work here, um, was that I, I think often when we remember women in history, specifically women artists, um, Take a look at you know different foundations and endowed foundations around women artists. A lot of the time, they're in relationship to their husband, mm. right? As a mm. pairing. Um, but here you have this amazing woman who really worked in her lifetime to create change. Um, and there's an entire group, another nonprofit, that is sitting behind saying, "You're not going to forget her." like we're gonna continue the good work that she was doing and I think that's really unique in the art world um and so that that excites me I also think the fact that she um is so prevalent and also cited artists that are working right now cite her as their influence um, they, they, they read her 10 rules or they right. they look at her work. You know, in 2016, she won the AIGA Award. Yeah, and then she was also inducted in 2016 into the California Hall of Fame. Um, and so she is in every major museum collection you know she's in the collection at the met at moma whitney um the dia just had some of her work included uh she's in a smithsonian show at the moment with artists responding to the vietnam war uh she's very well known and very accredited if you were to take a look at her cv and again not a household name and i don't think that's unique for women artists while there has been a big shift um in acknowledging and inclusion of them into collections um there's still a lot of work to be done there
0: there's a great instagram account i follow called i believe it's just called women in art yes yes yes, i love that one i've discovered so many phenomenal artists from that yeah um has Corita been featured on that Instagram account? You know,
1: we have been thinking of how do we better partner along yep. those lines um, because, you know, we are a little bit siloed here at this location and how do we start expanding mm-hmm. and um, social media is such a great tool for
0: that. And this, as we were talking yep. earlier while we are touring the collection, she is, Corita is social media ready yeah. before social media. I mean we're looking at these pictures they're already these prints are already square yeah they're already colorful you don't need a filter on these you know these these oh what what did you say in the hall Karita would love Instagram,
1: right? Yeah, we we've all collectively here been like, "Oh yes, it's the analog Instagram." Her little viewfinders that we give out,
0: <laughs> but and and yeah, the little viewfinders are uh, their postcards about the about Karita and they've got a square cut out so you can hold up and look through and witness the world as a square. And in a way, we're sort of doing it on our smartphones, and she sort of presaged that uh, because she highlighted like by looking through her little viewfinder she highlighted like just a portion of a sign or what she did with the newspapers yeah. um describe that process how does one do that um to make um
1: well her Nellie's Nellie's going to describe yes. <laughs> the
0: crumpled newspaper effect made into a print
1: right so she was taking newspaper articles let's say about the vietnam war and then physically crumpling them um then photographing them and then projecting them up on the wall to then incorporate them into her serigraphs um and so it again we often remind people like photoshop did not exist um and yet her work feels so contemporary it, it looks, looks
0: absolutely yeah. stunningly modern uh where where did that where does this tradition where where was she informed because you said she was not she's not your everyday nun
1: no when she, and you know she was all over like she was very much um, woven into the contemporary art scene here in Los Angeles. You know, she did see Andy Warhol's show when uh, it was at Ferris gallery. And while I don't think it was a direct inspired by, because I think that's a storyline that often happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she saw what he was doing and she was incorporating that kind of practice and viewing that into, into her work and her practice. And, um, and so, yeah, she was all over. She'd take her students into gallery shows. And again, we were we were talking about it earlier. It's if you walked into you know a gallery in Chelsea and there was a nun with a, a group of students, you would do a double take. Right. It's unique even today. Right. And and she was doing that back in the '60s, um, and I think that's really kind of speaks to her out of the box um, practice.
0: Right, and we've got you know. I, I, now that you're talking and you are reminding me of some some things of the past, we do have like the von, Hildegard von Bingen, who was a polymath artist, author. Uh, weird stuff, she wrote. Uh, yeah. uh, composer, right? Uh, so and then also, uh, we've got the tenet of radical Christian love, right? which usually doesn't go with Catholicism so much as, you know, radical Protestantism, but the radical Christian love, she really embraced it because it was all anti-war and uh, 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 the Watts riots she addressed, uh, civil rights she addressed, and uh, she came afoul of the Catholic establishment, did she not?
1: Right. Yes. Very much so. Um, at the time that Crudo was the head of the art department here at Immaculate Heart College, they um, they often butted heads, if you will, with Cardinal McIntyre, who was very conservative. You know, Vatican II happened, and people took that in very different directions.
0: Right. Vatican II opened up the church. It was. You can per, you could uh, do everything in your your local right. your local tongue. Uh, certain standards were relaxed for baptismal things and stuff. I don't know all about it, but I know that it was a uh, it was we're we're opening it up a little bit. It's not as obscure and Byzantine anymore.
1: Right, you can understand possibly what the person in front of you is saying. Right, um, which is. You know, now we go, of course, that seems natural. Right. Back
0: then it was a spiritual physique. Yeah, be- exactly. And we're done.
1: Yeah. So I think that they, you know, again, I can't speak for them, but I, I view it as, you know, they took it as looking at the community and how do we really serve them? Um, and that's what Vatican II was. How do we go into a community and really become an anchor in that community and serve them? Um, so, you know, is that in or out of habit? Um, is that, you know, taking some of the, the tight regulations and, and being a little more relaxed so that we can actually make change and show up for the people that need change. And at that time in Los Angeles, you had the Watts Rebellion. Um, you had racial issues coming to the forefront. You had the Vietnam War. Um, all of these things were happening. It's, and what is really amazing about her work is that it's so relevant to exactly what's happening right now in this world.
0: Um, I hate that that is the case because it means we haven't done anything in 60 years. We haven't fixed anything.
1: Right. Um, and that, and I think that's why people are really drawn to Corita um, because it's these messages of hope that we're looking for. Um, it's really easy to watch the news and feel so bombarded with like uh, everything's possible but nothing's true you know what, what what's going on and then I'm so fortunate to come to work and then I'll be in front of a creative piece and that quote that is included in that work is just what I needed to hear that day to be like okay we gotta keep Keep on track, doing the good work, and and creating hope, because I think that's ultimately what Krita was about—is creating hope.
0: Her uh, her quotes, where did they come from?
1: She pulls them from all over, all all over. Um, you'll see them. There's poetry. Um, there's biblical quotes there's things that are actually you'll you'll notice the wonder bread so she's pulling from the grocery store <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's it's really great it's that pop pop art right, right, makes right. It really accessible because you're like i know that i've seen that i can relate to this i could talk about this um she has beatles quotes right she's got um lyrics from folks she has quotes from People who were marching at Selma at the time. So she is really re- reacting to the now, um, and that's you know again some of the beauty of pop art is is incorporating uh, the everyday.
0: And what's her um, what's uh, a legacy like? Her. What mark did she leave to those, both the the children she educated in art and also the art world as a whole because she left the order?
1: She did in 68. So she went out on a sabbatical to um, Cape Cod and left in 68. Um, you know, I think that it was a, a, looking at what was happening in the world at that time, it was a lot going on and creator was really well known at that time i think um this is like a whole other soapbox about box about the digitization of women's history and publicity around women soapbox away um and how it's like if it's not digitized then it's so easy to forget it and like um in a current state of the world um so she really was you know Publicly known. People knew who Corita was. And I think that actually kind of got to her here in Los Angeles. Like many artists, you kind of just want to do your work. Um, and then she beca- became a little bit more of a figurehead for um, this radical edge around Vatican II. And so I think she found a lot of solace in Boston. Um,
0: so she lived in.
1: worked there for the rest of her years um, and did public and private commissions uh, including the gas tank that's there near Dorchester it's the largest copyrighted artwork Uh, it's a landmark there Mm -hmm. Um, and
0: uh, I read outside I think where they uh, they were going to take the uh take the gas tank down yeah when a new one was replaced they had to replace the uh right right. yeah
1: yeah it would have been a riot yeah
0: yeah (laughs) it's absolutely amazing um where can people find uh Karita's work you mentioned some of the galleries earlier but where can they find the find the work online and where can they learn more
1: right so of course us at the estate which is And you can follow us at Corita Art Center. Um, But uh, I I think the best way to engage her work is uh, to, after learning a little bit more about her, is to create your own work. I think that's really what she would have wanted, is to go out there and be inspired and and create change and create art through your activism. And um, yeah, I mean... We're a resource. We're happy to have visitors anytime and talk about Corita. Um, The Hammer also has a really great collection of her
0: work. The Hammer?
1: The Hammer. Where's that? That's here in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yes. So you haven't made it over there yet. No, I have not. I have Um, not. They've got a great resource on their website too. Uh, So when Corita passed, she left her overall estate to the immaculate art community. So we have the most comprehensive um, of her archives, her writings, her pedagogy. Um, and she did leave some prints to the Grunwald collection, which then is part of the hammer. Uh, she also left a considerable amount of her archives to Harvard. So you can go there and read. And they're amazing. We just did that this summer.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, any? are there any... Huge Creta exhibitions coming up soon. Anything? What's in the works for Krita art? What are lots What do you guys things. What do you guys have on the the front burner? Front back, burner. back burners later. Front yes. burner now.
1: Um. Well, we have a lot going on here. So, at her 100th birthday, which was just this last year, we made the commitment to open a new facility in her honor here in Los Angeles. Um, lots of exciting details I can't quite share. Absolutely. But um it's going to be really special. And we're building it around those ethos that we were talking about. You know, what does it mean to be an anchor in a community that needs to be served? Um, How do we fill that arts education gap um, in a really accessible and democratic way? Um, And so uh, we're, we're treading through that to see what that could look like. Um, And I, I feel that we're in the process of building something really special that will be more accessible to researchers and to guests
0: and how can uh, people help you uh, on your mission if they so decide volunteering making more artwork money, money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> always we will gladly take that um yeah i mean that's that's what we're looking at right now we're kind of in this feasibility stage of of what, what could this be? right? Um, And so it's been really uh, great to see how many people, Karita who both knew her and were inspired by her um, to hear their stories and kind of popping their heads up, being like, this is really great. Why don't we, this should be, have been built. Let's do it. And so um, we're we're pretty excited, although um, we still have a lot of details that
0: we're working out awesome this is absolutely spectacular uh, it's so uh, encouraging that the legacy of such a great uh, a great artist is left in such good hands and I hope that it encourages everyone else to go out there and explore more of the the artists like Karita and more women artists because, you know, go to that Instagram account it's and great. go go to Carita Art and uh, Instagram and get out there and it's not just all white dudes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think I think the real takeaway is just show up.
0: Just show you gotta, up. You got to show, show up. You know? And 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 going out there and, and uh, embracing uh, female art artist is just showing up you know just do it yeah
1: yeah it, I think show up it, it, even if it's not in an art gallery show up to make change yeah right? show up to vote
0: show up oh God
1: we'll start there um, <laughs> but you know it is showing up to make hope so that's that's our whole our whole mission here
0: Nellie Scott yeah thank you very much go to org and Karita art on Instagram you bye-bye a lot to learn with austin rogers is produced by myself maria gibson and limitless media please follow on twitter at austin tylero instagram at agra 27 and patreon patreon.com slash austin rogers now directly following this i have an extended interview with nelly vis-a-vis the individual tour of the gallery of the Creta Art Center enjoy some bonus material original
1: mother uh, house that was on this property it's 1906, um, you'll enjoy, this was Franklin, the cow, of what <laughs> Los Angeles was like, um, and this is actually where the art department was, so this is where Corita was working. Um, this building is no longer, Yeah. got torn down in 1970 due to some seismic issues. Um, part of the original college that still exists is actually AFI, which is right up the hill that they sold to AFI in the 80s, I believe. Um, But yeah, so this is a good idea of what this property was like. So since 1906, it has served as an educational point for the city of Los Angeles, so kind of cool. So the collection itself is in chronological order. Um, At the moment it is in essentially a high school hallway. Last year was Corita's 100th birthday um, and we made the commitment and announcement to Corita 100 which is looking at what the next 100 years looks like. So it's not my children, it's my children's children and how that impacts future generations. So you'll see her work in the 50s is really heavy. (laughs) So she starts kind of getting the screen. Uh, serographs. Should I hold? <laughs> no. okay. okay, is that better? Um, the serographs uh, under her belt. And you'll see that they're really figurative, they're really heavy. Um, she's pulling up to about 26 colors at a time, but there's always a nod uh, to what was kind of contemporary at that time. So you'll see the Eames chair there mixed in with um, uh, a biblical figure. Uh, so these works are heavier um, and a little bit uh, darker colors mm-hmm. that, than you see later on in the the bright and, and colorful pops that she's a little bit more known for. Something I will point out is that she is signing her name Sister Mary Corita, but later on you'll actually see that she switches to Corita she's around 1960- 1960. Yeah. Um, A question that often comes up is, is she signing in the plate or hand signing? So they're all individually signed. The addition sizes, some of them we have a good idea of what they are. Um, Some of them are uh, a little more loose (laughs) Uh, because she actually didn't number them because she didn't want one to be more valuable than the next. So we view her practice as really conceptual in nature, Um, You know, it's something that's really accessible to a large group of people. Paper is fairly cheap. You can get access to it. Uh, So that is something that she uses to kind of get her message into the world as fast as possible and spread out into the world as fast as possible. Um, So she also, in addition to printmaking, she also was a photographer and did watercolors.
0: All super quick art
1: yeah yeah and how do you get your message out Water quickly colors,
0: yeah. ready to go photography yeah. develop
1: exactly so this is actually her handwriting so she was um, she' uses a, something similar to a glue uh, onto the silk screen so she was really physical with with her work and how in her process good example is actually right over here <laughs> so these 60s works which I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, you'll see that they're actually really inspired by the city of Los Angeles. Um, she was appropriating and pulling street signage from these long walks that she would take with her students. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's some of the photographs here. So she would use something called a viewfinder, which we joke is like analog Instagram, <laughs> that her students would go just to to learn how to see. You know, sometimes I think um, in our everyday lives we get really there's a lot going on. And so being we're able doing to isolate, it now, we're able to isolate. Now, yes. You know? Yeah,
0: we are sort of doing it when we pick up our phone and we're like, I, does this, will this look good? Is it in a square? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, um,
0: it's old. It, she probably by being old. This is modern. She would have liked it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, clearly. Oh look yeah. At this, I
1: mean. um, so something we often remind people who are a little bit of a younger generation is that Photoshop didn't exist. So she is physically manipulating the text um, and while it seems chaotic in some areas, it's very purposeful mm-hmm. you, know, you can see like where the arrow lands in between the text um, and her quotes. So she's all about incorporation and appropriation. So you'll see um, little hints of, of messaging that's from the Beatles quotes, but then it also is paired with something that might be a little more faith-driven. We get into the 60s, Mm -hmm. Vietnam War, so you you actually see her reacting in some of these pieces. Um, Here's a good Beatle quote here. So one of the works that we usually stop and point out to people um, as a real switch and um, Real call to action as activism in her art. This is the cover of the Los Angeles Times um, the morning after the Watts Rebellion. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so she takes it, she flips it on its side, and then accompanies uh, a quote from a leader who was marching in Selma at that time. So really looking at racial issues um, and diving diving deep. So she would, another thing to know is she would take her students all over Los Angeles. Like she would go down to the Watts Towers and she would go out to all the extension of the entire county um, and really engage. And so mm-hmm. there was no, um, really woven into the fabric of Los Angeles in that way. Here's the example of her, this is her photograph of the text. So she would take that and then um, project it. it, yeah, to get it. Mm-hmm. It When you look at the date on these, it, you f- go, oh, it looks really contemporary. It, it looks incredibly <laughs> contemporary. Right? <incredible. Yeah>. right? <laughs> it does. Um, and then you
0: see 1965. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it does not compute.
1: Yeah, so this series um, is really special. This is called The Heroes and Sheroes. Uh, it's a series of 29 works that she she created and you'll see that she actually incorporates a lot of media Mm. in these so you know I think sometimes people think of nuns or people of faith that were you know could just siloed but she had her radio on she Mm. was watching the news just like anyone else and in a state of just dismayed over what was happening Uh, so this is one of the pieces Maybe if it was the building was burning, I would run out with this, this, <laughs> this is, one this yeah is the one. I really resonate with with me because you know I can watch the news at home and I feel really lucky to come to work and whatever quote I might need to read to feel better um about the world, you know I, I find my way here, and um this this work in particular uh talks about what hope means and that it's not uh you know it's not just optimism it's about showing up and how do you show up to make change um, and I think that is a running theme throughout all of Karita's work is about hope mm-hmm. and what hope means she's the here to create hope and opportunity um, while a lot of her work has a call to activism um, it's always with like a, a sense of joyous revolution um, so This work in particular I I really enjoy. Um, But this entire series really dives deep into the Vietnam War. This was her studio that's actually across the way. Um, It's the dry cleaner. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, So this property is really special to us, right? Yeah. where the school was.
0: And is that her... um,
1: On the cover of Newsweek? It is. (laughs) That
0: is her... uh, Open studio announcement. Every, yeah, right. right? Every every is?
1: Friday. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um, so she often uses box making. So she, in addition to the works that she left in her estate, we also um, are champions of her pedagogy. She was an educator, so she essentially left like left us a manual of how we can. Mm-hmm. Um, teach future generations and incorporate art into our lives. So box making is one of the practices. Um, And I I think if you think of her almost as a social practice artist, um, she's about happenings and creating these moments um, collectively. So this is uh, Phil and Dan Berrigan, um, pretty notable activists and she was very good friends with Dan Berrigan this is the mary's day Uh, so often people come in and they think this this is a protest (laughs) but it really was a celebration um, and it was centered around world hunger so a lot of these women were women that were actually at the immaculate heart college so this is this looks like the Cotson center here which is just up the hill um so in 1967 she takes a sabbatical goes out to cape cod Um, and does this series called the Signal Code Series, thinking about how we use language to communicate with one another. They're really great. (laughs) Um, And so they're all, you'll see, they look like the Signal Code flags that you would use if you were out at sea. Mm -hmm. Um, She does come back and leave in 1968, um, and then spends the rest of her adult life uh, out in Boston and working there as a professional artist. She was not shy about taking commissions. The uh, largest copyrighted work is there um, in the Boston area. It's actually a gas tank. It's like this landmark that, it's got this big swash of color across it. Wow. It's in near Dorchester. Okay. Wow. Yeah, if it, awesome. it's cool, right? Yeah, so um, I think, like many women artists, this is where I got my <laughs> my little soapbox. Um, you know, I, th- I think we have to look at how we remember women and women's history and their impact. Because she was very well known at her time. Um, you know, she actually, you'll see her later works here, some people are actually more familiar with because she did the love stamp, which sold over 700 million uh, oh, wow. copies. Yeah, so like a little piece of love on each one. And there's this great story. Um, about the launch of that, that they had thrown a, a, a party on the love boat <laughs> <laughs> and Karita did not show up mm-hmm. uh, because that's not the type of love that she had meant. Um, she's a, a humanitarian love, of, again, what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see a lot of parallels um, sometimes and it is, I've had this conversation with a few people and when you think of Karita and her impact, almost similar to Mr. Rogers. I know that seems like a weird combo to put together, but the way that he used his faith and he used film as this democratic way to reach audiences to say, you know, what does it mean to show up and what does it mean to be a good human? um, In this kind of joyous way. Um, There's a lot of, I see a lot of that in her work. Um, So she actually reacted to the love. There's, a second love and it says love is hard work so that was her reacting to to the love boat incident mm-hmm. uh, she did die in 1986 um, and so that's when she left her estate to the Immaculate Heart community oh, okay. so they themselves they all left well not all of them the majority of them left the order um, the Immac- of Immaculate Heart of Mary In 1970, and created an ecumenical community, um, a nonprofit that has been woven throughout Los Angeles. So, they all kind of took that call to action themselves and created nonprofits, started, saved schools. Like, what it means to show up, and so they actually are celebrating their 50th anniversary um, next November. Yeah, so that's the other offices here is part of the community, um, the nonprofit community. So. We as the estate live under that umbrella, which is kind of really neat yeah. because we're able to come up with this idea and then work with another nonprofit, uh, that's under the same umbrella mm-hmm. all together. So if we want to do a program, which we just started some pilot programming, um, in Panorama City with Casa Esperanza and they've been using Creative's pedagogy to do make art with kids in after school programs and stuff. Oh. So yeah, it's been really, it affords us a lot of flexibility there and what we're able to do, so kind of great. Awesome. Let me show you, there's some more. So this is the collection um, the, where we house it currently. Obviously, as you can see, the facility is not, it's not great, right? So we recognize that like our commitment to her is the preservation of her work. Um, and protecting that for future generations. So that's why we're in the process of looking at what a new facility uh, okay. would be. Mm-hmm. And again, so Box helmet, I do feel like if she had been a man, considering who her contemporaries were, um this would have already been built by now. Yeah. Um yeah. So in here we have some of the archives you guys might be interested in. <laughs> There's a lot of her writing, which we also um, are the caretakers for. Um, but there are some letters, too, um, that we can pull out that are between her, and, um, not her, but the Order and Cardinal McIntyre. So he was um, here with the diocese in Los Angeles, quite conservative. Um, I think you have a, a big, uh, when you look at what happened in Vatican II, there's different camps of people went more conservative, and then people took it really like... Let's go out into the world and make change. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Immaculate Heart community t- leaned that way. Uh, so there are some stories I've heard of him coming, stomping his boots, telling them kind of what they were gonna do, and they got a kind. No, this is what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um So the the art department here was pretty on the radical edge. Okay. Um, she was very knowledgeable and in the mix of the art scene um, here in Los Angeles at the time. She would take her students to gallery shows, which, if you can imagine, going into a gallery show now and seeing a nun with her students, you still you would you would take a double take. Um, and she was out there. She was involved um, very much absorbing other what was happening. She would host something called the Great Men Series. And that's where she would have people like Ray Eames and Buckminster Fuller and other notable um, men of that time to bring them on campus. Uh, We're hoping to actually reframe that and start that again and call it the Great Human Series and bring in people to start having lectures. So, uh, yeah, so this is the archival room of SAD, as it might be (laughs) in different states. Uh, The only other one I would probably show you that you guys would find really interesting I have one on my office wall. It is this one. This is the uh, Circus Alphabet. So she did a second alphabet series. Um, And they're really colorful, but also if you read the text, they're they're kind of dark. (laughs) Um, But this, uh, as an alphabet, is in the collection at MoMA, actually. lot of really great stuff. This is another earlier one here. But again, they feel so contemporary, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And what's really neat is considering how old they are, um, how vibrant the color is. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean that is a hard color to come by. Look at that.
1: Yeah, it has its uh when we do when we have tried to look at like publishing books it is a little complicated you can't it doesn't quite translate no no it doesn't here's um this the art department busy at work
0: it's so the juxtaposition of those severe habits <laughs> i know and the with burst of that color amazingly <laughs> insane contemporary art it just there's a cognitive dissonance going on right there. I'm not I'm not getting it. Yeah, yeah. But I am getting it. But I'm not getting it.
1: Well, I think that's part of the story, right? It's like the liberation that you see, um, you know, someone who lives their life literally in black and white and the color that just pours out of them. And then you see after she's out of habit, uh, she was a big fan of Mirameco. So these like bright, colorful clothes right. all of a sudden that they're able to wear and real joy um but yeah it is it's really interesting to see and you have to imagine it had to be so hot
0: well, yeah. Yeah. right you know it's we're like no it's, it's we're in la an there's air, no ac air air, no air conditioning
1: and and working yeah there's a few photographs we have of her working that she would pin up her arms okay. right to, to make sure the other thing this is interesting you guys will enjoy i have a little one that i'll give you um Along with some viewfinders. So these are the 10 rules. These are um, often misattributed to John Cage. Again, another possible gender issue there. (laughs) Little bit. Little bit. Um, These were actually created at Immaculate Heart College. And they're really special. And people um, kind of pluck what rule they needed to hear that day, I think. <laughs> so I should just put the only rule is work. And have You think they And that's the viewfinder. Yeah, these are the viewfinder. So you guys can take your own. So cool. Slow looking. yeah right
0: i get it i totally get it
1: yeah so it is really i have to say since i've started here i suddenly notice street signage more i take a look at just the typography on just about everything and you know it's she teaches us how to like appreciate our everyday details So yeah, we can sit down and continue. Yeah, we can continue. Yeah,
0: I... This has been A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers, produced by myself, Austin Rogers, alongside Maria Gibson and Limitless Media. If you like this program, uh, please go to patreon.com slash austinrogers and subscribe and give me money for some reason. And now we'll end it out with my question of the week recorded live from New York's The Wayland at 50th and 10th Avenue. If you think you know the answer, write back at Austin Tylero on Twitter and uh, give me some suggestions for other questions you want to hear and other a little to learn's you want to hear. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next uh, Thursday. Sure, whatever.